So, John, I think we ought to move this podcast up actually earlier to the week of May 1st. Before the ones with Sam? Yeah, before the ones with Sam. We've recorded those, but I think this needs to happen now. Before people make their bad decisions for their (laughs) summer? Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Friends, welcome to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of May 1st. And I'll explain that little dialogue in just a moment. But before we dive into anything, let's take a moment here. Here in this, we can create a little bit of breathing room. We can create some sacred space. It really is possible. Just tune in to your body. Are you tense? Tune into your breathing. Are you taking short, shallow breaths? Let's, let's take a moment to give everyone and everything to Jesus in order to find him, in order to come back to our intimacy and our love with him for one another. So Jesus, we do. We give everyone and everything to you. What do I need to release this week? What do I need to let go of right now in this moment? And we pray, Jesus, restore our union. Restore my union with you, God. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your life. Meet me here in this podcast this week. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, we pray. So, yeah, there was a pretty funny dialogue going on in the studio before <laughs> mm-hmm. before we um, got into it because we were we were rethinking some podcasts and we realized that this one needed to come this week. And this this is our annual. What are you doing with your summer? What are you doing for soul care? And I realized that even May 1st, my goodness, this is late for many people. They're yeah. already committed to plans, decisions, family expectations. Some people still making them. Some people thinking they don't have room mm-hmm. uh, to make any plans. I think this is going to be helpful, uh, especially because there actually are some of you that need to reconsider the plans <laughs> that you've made. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. So what we want to do is share some lessons of things learned over the years in, in, if we were, if we were you doing it over again, what would we do? (laughs) What would we do better? What, What would we remember? And the very first point is, have you asked God? Have you asked God about your summer? Yes. Have you asked God about your plans? I was in a completely different context. I was actually in a in an organizational, it was like a leadership conference thing a few weeks ago. And there were a number of things on innovation and the future and what is God doing in the world and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. I began by saying this when it was my slot, when it was my turn to speak. I said, look, the most important question you can ask an organization or a marriage is how do you make decisions? 
because you'll just learn so much from there. Yes. And and most importantly, is God a part of that? Well, how, how do you believe most people do make decisions? What have you found over the years? Oh, fear, doubt, impulse, <laughs> compulsion, right? Yeah. yeah. Desperate need, um, dreams, ideas. We've always done it this way. Uh, yeah. It's just a given. Yeah, yeah. People people make decisions out of all kinds of reasons. And it can be disastrous if you don't include God in your planning. Mm. And when we were teaching listening prayer years ago, the story that I told was when the boys were young, we had two amazing summers back to back. They they were like the best summer vacations ever. And it was in the context of a dude ranch mm-hmm, where they had mm-hmm. a children's program and they had, you know, family activities and all the meals are, you know, prepared. So yes. it was great. And, and they had a kind of a context for people in ministry or in pastoral work where you could get a discount there. We went twice in a row. It was unbelievable. So when the third summer rolled around, you know, it was winter and we're making plans. We're like, oh, this is a no-brainer. We're going back. But we did pause to ask, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Jesus said, no. Mm -hmm. And we didn't like the answer, so we kept asking. (laughs) We were like, let it go for a week, and then we came back and went, surely you didn't mean that. So, Lord, here we are again. We're giving you another chance. Yeah, praying about our summer, and so, yeah, we're going back, right? No. I think we did this three times before we accepted no. And with great disappointment, see, this is the problem because the the desires are there, the dreams are there, right? Right, right. totally. Yeah, great disappointment. And then we we didn't know why. We just had to trust and obey, right? We just had to trust and, and listen and follow. Months later, the very week that we would have been at that, at that dude ranch, that was the week that the while the Hayman fire swept through Colorado, wow, wow. and destroyed you know four hundred thousand maybe more mm. acres, including everything around that ranch, and they yes. had to evacuate. Like the horses were literally scattered across the county. I mean, it it was a real panic situation. Thankfully, they've recovered. You know, they, yes. But our summer vacation would have been completely lost. Oh, that was such a rescue. It was a rescue, yeah. but it didn't feel like it. And that's a really important point. It didn't feel like a rescue until we saw why God said no. On the back end. Yeah, on the back end of that. So as we we come into this podcast, we're just going to share some pieces of wisdom we've learned over the years. Whether you are still making plans or think that you don't have the capacity and margin money to make plans— or you have plans and they're locked in. Yep. Oh, we still want to urge you, ask God about it. You might need to reconsider. Mm-hmm. And John, for the times that we're asking God, well, there's a couple of just suggestions that may be helpful. One is you want to do this if you're married with your spouse. And so the listening prayer, the asking and listening is together in the sense Mm -hmm. that God will be speaking his desires to both of you through you. And so you want to work together. It's not a negotiation. It's not a last year, this year, we're going to do it different. The other thing is, if you're not hearing clearly, go back to what your word or theme 
our scripture of the year is every year, the first week in January, it was our podcast from January 2nd this year, but we talk about what's God's word for the year for you, any advanced words, any preparation. Yeah, so just go back to your year and the word God had over that and the word for your spouse if you're married and just see how that could fit into your plans and desires and hopes for the summer. So Alan, as you as you look back on good summers, bad choices, all of it, wh- what have you learned? Yeah, John, I've learned that as I look back, especially when our children were younger um, and think of those years, and right now our youngest is graduating high school this May. So looking back just a few years, um, one of the things I learned is simple was always better. And the more complex, the more moving pieces, the more, yeah, we've only got so many days, but we can squeeze this in and we can also do this while we're there because we want to get as much in as we can. Those did not turn out as well because they created more busyness, more stress. And ultimately, it didn't produce as much joy as the more simple times. Yes. And and sometimes the simple times for vacations were something we did an hour away from home. It wasn't across the country or, you know, across the world. It wasn't the kind of, you know, splashy yes. big thing. But if I could go back and relive some of those vacations, I would choose the simple ones, the ones that felt a little like we've got so much spaciousness, I'm afraid there's not enough. But the times were always filled with spontaneity, mm. joy, laughter. And and we came back with more restoration. And we talked a few weeks ago in a podcast about, you know, have we learned anything yet? When we had that podcast, you were hitting on the topic of restoration versus relief. Yep. And what I've learned about vacations is you want the vacations that are designed to bring restoration. You want the summer plans for restoration, not for just, I'm drowning, I need relief, I'm going to do this massive thing. And and oftentimes we come back more exhausted from those. Oh, I'm thinking of, you said simple and close to home, one of our best family vacations ever. We borrowed a pop-up camper trailer from some friends. Yes, and hitched it up to our old Jeep Wagoneer. And we just went around Colorado. And we hmm. camped in the sand dunes and we camped out in the in the mountains. And we just did a, a loop that was so simple. There was no Disneyland, yeah. right? There was yeah. no beach. There was, there was no, you know, taco stands. It was very, very simple. And part of that was because we were on a budget and it's what we could do. But it was probably one of the most joy-filled trips because camping can really be great, but please ask God about it because, you know, he knows what the weather's going to do and how everyone's going to be feeling and is somebody going to get a stomach bug. But if it is good, it is the, it's the simplicity of it and the spaciousness that then says, hey, let's go explore this or let's lie around camp and read or let's, yeah. Right. Versus the vacations where we did go to LA and it was fit in Disneyland Fit in, you know, the amusement parks, get to the beach. Drive all night yeah, to get there. see the grandparents yeah. and, and and maybe a little bit too much going on in, yeah. in those trips. And something from last year that Kelly and I learned was we had the chance with extended family 
to go to an all-inclusive, you know, place uh, in Mexico. And they were all excited and, and had initiated that. And ultimately, as Kelly and I prayed and thought about it, like the momentum was just to join in, right? But that felt a little bit too much, too loud, not not from the family, but just the setting and everything else. Yeah. And so we listened and we felt like God was saying, no, actually, it's going to be a calming, peaceful time at the beach. And we didn't know where, we didn't know how, we didn't know all those details yet. But to your earlier point, by asking God, it allowed us to say, we don't have to do something just because it was the momentum of other plans that people were making, people we love deeply, but we can ask God instead of going, well, I guess this is going to be our summer vacation. Yes. And by doing that, by asking, we ultimately ended up in a vacation that God created. He brought it all together. There was somebody who invited us to a beach house in Florida. It was orchestrated in a way that we could not have planned or known when that first step happened, which was, God, should we do this? And when his answer was no, there's something else, we didn't know what the something else was, but that started the process of a rhythm that God was inviting us into. Yeah. And I want to point out, you had to get over the initial barrier of, of course, we're doing the other thing. That's what the whole family's doing, the extended family. It's just a given. Of course. you got to be really careful of the of course, gang. One of the lessons that we're bringing back to you this week was given to us years ago by our friend Dan when he explained family visits are not the same thing as vacations. So let me say it again. Family visits, going to the in-laws, going to the grandparents, going to the family reunion is a kind of activity that is not the same thing as a vacation. Okay, for all of the obvious reasons, the pressures, the relational stuff, you're navigating your uncle who you don't like and his obnoxious children or, you know, Mm. right? There's all those family pressures. Yes. But the barrier of, of course, of course, that's what we're doing. The whole family's expecting us this year. It's what we always do. Or no, this is, we have to come through for them right? It's the expectations on their side. Yes. As opposed to, really, is that what your family needs? Is that what your soul needs? Are you willing to take the risk of asking God? And does God, yeah, does God have something else for you that would never even come to the surface or be revealed if you just ran down another path, even if that other path sounds fun or good or joy-filled, like you still want to know, but God, do you have something you know I need even more? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So several staff uh, have been out this year on different family or personal trips, and I want to pull a a few pieces of wisdom, a few experiential sound bites out. So the first thing I want to say is a lesson that the Eldridge family learned over the years uh, with when when we were a nuclear family and our kids were still with us. In the early days, we were in the mindset of don't go for two weeks because that's practically all the vacation you have. Save some for later. Yes, right. Just go for one week. And then for the first time ever, 
we took a two-week vacation and it was practically an epiphany. I, I mean, honestly, it was almost like stepping back into the Garden of Eden in, in terms of its shock value that we didn't realize you need the entire first week for detox. What we consider to be a normal life here in the developed world, a normal pace, a normal schedule is absolute madness. You live on adrenaline, you yeah. live on cortisol, you, you are constantly firing out of your triggers and your trauma brain. And so the first week can be really actually sort of shocking in that, whoa, like I had no idea how much I needed this. If you will take two together, back to back, you get to that second week and then there's the joy. You go, oh my gosh. And so our designer, Wookie, and, and he and his family are actually recently back from a spring break uh, trip that they did as a family. And again, for the first time, did a two-week thing. And here was, here was what he had to say about it. Hi, Alan and John. I just wanted to share an experience our family was able to have um, where we were in the position for the first time ever really to take a two-week vacation. Um, it seemed over-the-top luxurious for us as a family uh, as we led up to it. But what we came to find out was that first week was mostly detox. Um, our bodies, two of the kids ended up getting sick and for the first three to four days, they were out of it and kind of came back to themselves after. Um, and even me just stress from projects and things I had going on in normal life, it took that long to kind of detox from that. Uh, and then what we found was the second week was where as a family, we really entered into kind of that mode of, of rest and some restoration for our minds and our hearts. And um, we were just really grateful for the chance to take that second week. Um, and I hope that's helpful. I think that's such a beautiful approach, the way they took a window of two weeks, John, because, yeah, it's disruptive and you think the world won't allow for it and there's no way. But from what he said, you can hear the joy and you, you can just tell that that extended time created a different environment than a short, quick we're gone and we're back. Yep. And now that, that's been our experience over the years. Um, so we've got consider consider two weeks, folks. Let's remember visits are not vacations. Only visits are not vacations. So ask God. Yes. And maybe you do need to do the family visit for other reasons. That reasons compelled by love and by Jesus, not by obligation. Um, but you still need a vacation. Yes. Okay. You're going to need a vacation after the visit, right? <laughs> after the family thing. Um, another another fascinating lesson learned is learning to be comfortable with doing nothing. And I've actually had vacations where it rained, like on our Hawaii vacation, it rained. Yeah. I was so mad because all my plans were scrapped. And then it, and then came the realization. Oh my gosh! What I needed was rest mm -hmm. and quiet mm -hmm. and reading, not activity. Activity. You know, let's take surfing lessons and let's go scuba diving and then let's get on the boat and go fishing and you know all that. Let's right. go see the volcanoes. The assumptions that we make that a good vacation has a lot of activity to it, and the epiphany is learning to be comfortable with doing nothing 
can be an absolutely transforming experience, literally for your physiology, for your body to yes. come down, right? And so one of our team, Michelle, uh, had a chance to get away, actually with just a few girlfriends, not even with the family. They went down to Mexico. And when she came back and reported what she did, I, I was so gripping to me. The, I mean, the sunlight on her face, the... Yeah. Such joy coming yeah, from her. Yeah, right, she right. just was well. And here's what she did. I got to go to the beach for five days and I made no plans, planned no excursions, no big events. Every day I just shuffled out to the hammock and laid there listening to the ocean. It was glorious and restorative. I didn't want to leave. And I keep thinking about it now that I'm back to my real life. Yeah. And I think that's such a disruptive thing for most of us to hear is, wait, you went somewhere, you traveled, you spent the money, and you mostly did nothing? <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it sounds, uh, you know, almost like missed opportunity from our, I think, the way our brains are wired because yeah. we have to be doing something and. And yet, from her, it was so obvious what her heart needed was to just breathe. Yeah. It's the difference between relief and restoration. Mm. That is restoration. And getting comfortable with some nothing yes. in, in your summer, wherever that fits in. Maybe it is your vacation this year is a whole lot of nothing. Maybe in a beautiful place. Maybe at the family cabin. Maybe on your back porch. Like staycations right. work if... It's nothing. Right. Not just all your regular life. Not being efficient at home. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Right. The projects and, and that kind of thing. John, another observation or lesson. I was talking to a friend over the past weekend, and he's a grandfather, and he had brought extended family on a cruise. And it was pretty a pretty extravagant cruise, and they did a lot. Uh, but what was interesting to me is when we were talking about it, he went on and on about the details and I was asking questions and I said, well, how was it for your heart? And he goes, ah, it was a trip. And, and he didn't say it like he wanted his money back or anything, but yeah. it was just, it was just, there was a dullness to it or a, ah, you know, it, oof. And that, to me, was just an observation, not a judgment of him or, or what they had done, but just an observation that that was clearly not what his heart needed because it felt forgettable. Like, yeah, it was, if I told Kelly afterwards, it felt like I had asked him, how was the cup of coffee? Huh. Wow. It's okay. And so I, it, to me, it was just another- Thousands and thousands of dollars oh, later. Right, right. right. And just the sense or realization of we have to ask and be aware of what our hearts need because you can go to some of the most beautiful places in the world and spend a ton of money and stay busy the whole time. But if it's not what your heart needs and God's not a part of it, then you're going to come back and be, huh? Yeah. And, and so yes. that to me was a caution for this summer of, I don't want to just assume. I don't want to do something that maybe I have great photos from, 
but my heart is still yes. flatlined. Okay. I, riffing off on this for a moment. So one of Aristotle's observations about humanity and the human heart was what he called the power of mimetic desire. And by mimetic, he means imitative or a desire that is stimulated by what others have or are talking about or seem to possess or are doing. Okay, mimetic yes. desire is, is desire that mirrors other people's experiences, but actually isn't true to your own soul. So, I mean, just go to junior high. Right, it's all mimetic desire. What's the haircut? What what's the clothes? What will you be crucified for saying or not saying? Yes. Know, everything is governed by mimetic desire, imitative desire. I'm going to imitate what I see around me. All right. Yes. So, the power of mimetic desire. As friends of mine were talking about their plans for this summer, they, they have some really awesome plans. Yeah, some folks are going to Hawaii, and other folks are going to Europe, and this friend's going on this amazing fishing trip and the mimetic desire in me is like, ding, 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 ding. I mean, I can just feel myself going, Ooh, I need that. Ooh, I need that. And friends don't be compelled by mimetic desire either or by comparison or by envy. Yeah. Right. That that may be what is good for my pal, maybe he does need to go to Montana on that two-week fishing trip. Right. Lord, what do you have for me? What does my soul need? Another lesson, uh, Alan, that I've learned over the years is you, you've got to be utterly vigilant. Once you make the plans, you have to fight for them. You have to consecrate that trip. Yes. Like literally, Lord, in prayer, we dedicate this mm. to the Lord Jesus Christ. We bring this under your authority, Jesus, door to door. That's good. Everyone's health, our travels, or not traveling, you know, all of it, yes. right? You have to protect it because the number of family trips, we, we did 19 years of trips to the Tetons when the boys were young. That's one of our family. 19? 19 years in a row. Okay. Um, and it was, it was awesome. It was just phenomenal, phenomenal family time. I cannot count the number of phone calls that I got from my publisher on those trips. It was freakish. It would be some crisis or some opportunity. Hey, so-and-so wants to have you on their radio show or this television thing. Or, hey, we've got a real problem with the, you know, the publishing of this next book. Those right. phone calls would literally come on my vacation. Hmm. Not two days before I left, not two days after I got back. And you've got to be vigilant. Because as you know, as a young author back in the day, I'm like, oh, I've got to take this call. This is my publisher. I've right. got, to, honey, I'm sorry. I'm just going to step away for an hour here, and I need to deal with this and get into this meeting. No, uh-uh. Like that is all intrusion into the joy. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, through prayer, through consecration, and then through vigilance, yeah, you got to put a fence around your Sabbath. John, that story you just told about, you know, the intrusion and and kind of the bait to get into, well, I've got to respond or I've, I've got to engage. You reminded me, we had a vacation to Florida when our kids were probably, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, age range. And I was working in the corporate world in publishing. And my mindset at the time was, there's no way I can take a week 
plus off work without being buried when I get back. So I made this agreement that I'm going to just spend from like 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. every morning on email. And then I'll knock it all out. And then I'll start the vacation each day. Yep. And it was a terrible decision because I was partially on vacation and partially in the matrix. And of course, those things like you're talking about would come up. So under the guise of efficiency and staying on top of things while on vacation, I didn't really have a vacation yeah. that year. And I just want to encourage listeners, like if if that is something that you relate to or or kind of pulled into that gravitational force, man, don't do it this summer when you leave. Alan, it's a fascinating thing. Why did God have to command the human race to take a Sabbath every week? Mm. Like, like not a suggestion, right. not, hey, once in a while, it'd be good if you, you know, took a morning off. He's like, every week, there is a day you do nothing. Let it go. Right? I yeah. command you to rest. Because all broken humanity needed it to be a command, or we wouldn't we wouldn't even consider it. There's the totally. compulsions and the drivenness and the fear and all of that. Yeah. So put a fence around it, folks. And one more example from our staff. So our our pal Morgan is a is a really diligent guy, and, and he's also. He's also a miser. He's he is he, he is very very. He would want to call it wise. I'm going to label it frugal <laughs> with his finances, and so he researches family vacation trips really really well. Where's the bargain? What's the deal? How can we? You know, yeah. we don't need to stay in a hotel if we can stay in a friend's you know house while we're there. All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this year they asked God, and and he told them to go to a, a hotel and like, just, just pay the money and go and rest. And it was, it was the opposite of what he would normally do. Yes. And what was fascinating was the fruit of it in his life. Again, the, the willingness to listen, the ability to get over the hurdles and the obstacles of no way, there's no, no, we don't do it like that. Yeah. Okay. And then to realize it's okay to hit the easy button sometimes. So we just got back from a spring break trip that was incredibly infused with joy and fully unanticipated. I'm 47 years old and it's taken me till now to say I truly hit the easy button. After prayer, talking to a few friends, getting some counsel of other people that have courageously chose joy, we paid full price for a trip hitting the easy button, doing a package deal. It's very, very rare for me to pay full price because of just my story, my mindset, and uh, in some ways, my resources. And it's also extremely rare for me to hit the easy button. We didn't have to think about meals. We didn't have to think about travel. Once we were there, we hunkered down. And in our story and in our season, that's exactly what was needed. So friends, I, I hope you hear in the spirit of this how critical it is to get past some of the barriers that would be your normal, just right. the way you operate, the way you work, the way you insist on working on a vacation, that all of it, or we can't afford that. Um, listening to God, 
letting him speak into your plans and then letting him speak into the plans within the plan. Yes. Right. So you do have the the week or two. Please make it two if you can, carved out. And now you know what you're gonna, you know, where you're going or not going. You're gonna do a staycation. Then you gotta put the fence around it, right? And protect it vigilantly so that you get the Sabbath that you need. So I just want to name, Alan, some of the barriers that over the years we've encountered, we hear we hear people naming. Um, I think the first one is fear. Fear, like you were describing, I can't take a week off work. Are you kidding me? Right. So either we're not going, or if we go, I'm going to work half the time. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, at the time, looking back, I was trying to legitimize or excuse my work ethic, which was work comes first. Yes. And so it felt really valid. It felt logical. It you know, I sold that decision to my wife as, no, 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 it's the way we can do this. And, and, and I knew in my heart it was creating an environment for me, at least, where I couldn't fully dive in. So, yeah, the fear oftentimes is tied to where we get our validation and, and having to let go of that for what God has will be disruptive. But I think a vacation can be both restorative and disruptive when God's a part of it. It comes together in ways that help us grow. Yes. As he invites you out of your fears Mm -hmm. and and that another barrier would be connected to fear, but money, like we can't afford that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just not an option for our family. We, we just, we don't do vacations or we only do staycations or we only go camping because we just can't afford to, you know, right. go to a cabin in the mountains or rent a VRBO at the beach. And I just want to say, ask God. Ask God, because that's a barrier that is probably rooted in your story, probably rooted in a scarcity mindset. Right. Right. And right. He, he may invite you out of that and take a risk, and then, then he provides And then I think the third one that you were naming early on, Alan, the barrier of family expectations. Just the the power, oh my gosh, the power of extended family is what I mean. You know, this is what we always do for my parents, or we've always got to go see the cousins, or there's a family reunion every year. And, And of course, of course, it's that. Yeah, it's the gravitational pull. And it becomes a tradition, and the tradition becomes then an expectation that is unbreakable. Yep. And and so, yeah, I think the freedom to be able to walk with God in what he has for us, and hopefully for the extended family and friends, what he has for them, because it won't always align. Like the things God's doing in the lives of those we love. Yes, it doesn't always come to the same place every summer, yes. you know? So, yes. yeah, there's a beauty in that. Maybe even within your own heart as well, the expectations there, because we did have 19 years of phenomenal family vacations in the Tetons, and we'd camp, or sometimes we'd stay in a cabin and, you know, go canoeing and swimming and hiking. And it was just, it was just idyllic days. But then came the family season, where the boys are either in college, out of college, starting young families, and we stopped. Um, and Stacy and I had to let that go mm. and say that was a beautiful era. 
that is gone now. And, and we're okay with that. We can recognize the disappointment. We can express the disappointment to God, but we can release the expectations and pressures that we're putting yes. on the family. That's so good. Yeah, it, yeah. it's been huge. And, and then other things have taken place instead, and it's been really good. I think I want to end with this. I was thinking um, this morning about this podcast and thinking about the story in World War II, in the Battle of Bastogne, the Battle of the Bulge, the Allied forces were at one point completely surrounded by the enemy. It was the dead of winter. They were cold. They were miserable. They were short on supplies, and they were surrounded. And the captains of the various companies realized if you could just get a man 50 yards off the front, just get him 50 yards back Mm. from the intensity of the front lines, send him back to the med tent to pick up something, have him go get coffee for for the platoon. It, It was this enormous psychological relief. It was just, it was so simple. He's 50 yards away yeah, from the fight. Right. But it was enough to feel like a break. Mm. And, and that's what I would suggest every human being needs. Sometime this year, you, you got to get 50 yards back from the front, whatever your front is. And if that's a vacation at the beach, awesome. If that's a staycation that you can truly protect, and not do a bunch of family projects, or, you know, great. Whatever that looks like under the guidance of Christ for you, that's all you're looking for. doesn't need to be amazing, right? You don't have to get to Rome or whatever, you know, the <laughs> Caribbean. Yes. If you get 50 yards back from the front, it can just be this enormous relief and a reset and perspective and the, the rest, the restoration that we need.